0: Never met
1: Go
2: Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner
3: criminal.
1: Here we go.
4: Hi, hi. I just like screwed up everything, so apologize. But we're on. Hi, hello.
2: Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Good
4: morning. Hello, good afternoon. Hey, hello to everybody. Um, so yeah, um, hi, everybody. Welcome to Thug Crowd episode 39. Got a lot of stuff today, uh, got a lot of cool ideas, interesting talks. So, I guess we'll get right
2: into it. How's everybody doing today? Pretty great. How about you? I'm
4: pretty good. I'm Not tired, tired,
1: but...
2: It's getting dark so early.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. It's
0: easier to see a flame burning bright in the darkness. We need more of that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> What's that? A stream three times a week? Is that what I just heard?
2: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're gonna, you're gonna host it?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all your.
2: <laughs> <and> organize it.
5: <laughs> hey, I'll I'll go to my Discord and leave the channel open. Anybody comes in and we'll start streaming. <laughs> Just uh, leave your
4: leave your API keys uh, somewhere we can uh, find. Them. You're not supposed to leave those on GitHub. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so everybody, so thanks everybody for for joining us. We have an awesome show today. We have an amazing guest, T-Profit, who is somebody that I grew up reading, um, like his column and seeing his talks and things like that. Uh, So I'm excited to have him on here to talk about phone freaking and show us how it's actually done. Because if you guys were here two weeks ago, you heard our really sad excuse for trying to blue box, uh, (laughs) trying to blue box the KKK hotline. I tried. We, yeah, we tried. We almost got it, but
2: um, but yeah. Unless we're yeah. not making mistakes, so it's okay. Yeah. Did knows what they're talking about here? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Did anybody actually uh try it out on their own and and get it working?
4: Uh, I did not actually. I have before. I have used Project M F before, but I've not. I didn't recently.
2: Yeah, I haven't had time either. It's super fun. It honestly is really, really cool. And if people are listening that are newer to it, that aren't really sure where to start, Project MF has a website that you can kind of learn about what it's what it's about and get into it.
6: Hey, is this thing on?
2: Yep. Oh, yeah. What's up?
6: Cool. I figured out how to use Discord.
2: Discord is hotness at the moment. Yeah, you saw.
1: Um.
4: So yeah. Uh. So let's get into our news here. I just posted the uh show notes, so y'all can read it. But is actually is DNZ here?
2: I don't see him. No.
4: Because I wanted to talk to him. I know you're here, Faith, but I wanted to also talk with DNZ about the uh, Australian uh, encryption bill and what it means for Australians, but I'll, we should leave that probably for later, okay. uh, whenever he comes on, um, just because... You know, I mean, really it's really
2: that. There's no story there, right? It's like a non-issue, nothing's the problem, like, everything's... Yeah, we wrong. could
4: totally glaze over it and skip it and not talk yeah. about it. Not <laughs> Yo, no, absolutely totally
0: fucking yeah. <laughs> we can hear you. Uh, you got me? Yeah, you got me. Hey. There we go. We need the Australian accent for it to be authentic. <laughs>
2: Well, hold on, let me pull up my folders and give me a minute.
7: Um, skip it first because uh, I, I don't know. I don't want we'll
2: uh, to. Wanna it. Go, we'll come back.
7: Come uh, back to it.
4: Yeah, another yeah. Australian I, I want to have a drink ready before I start a rant, but I don't want to rant. <laughs> All right. Um. So another Australian news. You can use uh, was it Marmite or Vegemite uh to uh power a circuit as uh the traces on toast.
7: Yeah, some guy made a tiny little pipe so, like like little piper so you could like pipe out a little circuit on toast. I don't Bread know what the practicality of this is
4: a breadboard. Yeah. I mean it's it's a perfect it's breadboard. A breadboard.
0: <laughs> it's a literal breadboard, yes. It it um, likely has extremely high uh systems across those the longer they get. But that's exactly why they use LEDs because they don't give a shit as long as voltage gets across them. It, yeah. you're going to turn them on so uh yeah you're not going to be driving much in terms of uh data etc
2: um, yeah right. that's cool so the the secret behind it is it's powering leds which aren't discriminatory about a lot of the specifics it's not like a potato where they're actually uh powering low-end computers like lattice or light bulbs but they're just using it as a you're saying they don't have the sophistication of a potato. <laughs> a lot
0: of the uh, electronic ink saying. that you can paint with, uh, same same properties. Yeah. Although that's probably a lot better, but it still has a lot of uh, resistance uh, across the distance. So the longer those traces get, the less usable they become for pretty much anything but stuff like LEDs. Yeah. But hey,
2: Marmite now has a purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody know what the ingredient is that makes it conductive? I believe it's the sodium. Oh. Yeah. oh okay. Yeah, it's
7: it's fairly high and uh like it's obviously quite salty, but um, I've yeah, never had it's, it. it it's basically like salty yeast and uh if you didn't <laughs> grow up eating it, What's your favorite flavor. Really
2: it. Huh. <laughs> so it's a very British colony thing, is what you're trying to say. Those Yanks would probably not well, appreciate
7: Marmite, there's Marmite, Promite, and Vegemite. They're they're all there's, there's a couple other yeast based products as well.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Can you give and us no. the breakdown between all
0: of them? Like
4: that sounds like something that's like that's an explosive, it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it so like,
0: chromite.
7: So I mean it's carrying out or Semtex. Um. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like uh basically like Marmite and Promite are just grosser versions of Vegemite Marmite's more and uh yeah I mean this is like a salty thick spread I guess but if you don't like it then you're never gonna like it don't just yeah I mean it's not a big
6: you can tell he's a real Australian
7: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's basically just kind of like it it's a lot of kids grew up eating it like so when you grow up eating it, like you you don't think oh. about it too much. Yeah. And I mean. then once other people, you know, you you like you're like, hey, you want a envision my toast? And they're like, No, that's fucking disgusting. And you're like, What? <laughs> oh
4: well, uh, another thing that's fucking disgusting <laughs> is, is Kubernetes
5: being a t- hijacked
1: worldwide.
5: 10 so points. that beats every Star Wars transition I've ever seen, right there.
4: So I'm, I'm actually, I, we, we expected this. It's just in the news. Uh, if you use Kubernetes, if you are a DevOps person, if you care about your production systems, upgrade Kubernetes because there's multiple POCs out. And actually, if you look in our show notes, in our cheat code section, there is the Kubernetes, um, there's a Kubernetes POC in there for you guys to take a look at. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's out there. It's obviously something that people would try to leverage, but because of DevOps and, you know, we want to move fast, but not everybody knows how
0: to. So read a book, talk to Cold Water, and uh, please upgrade. <laughs> can, can I just point out how much cryptocurrency has made hacking just generally horrible? I, I saw this happen, and I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, a story. Somebody somebody took advantage of this, and it's just a mind-shitty shit coins, right it's it was so depressing like do do something better well, yeah on the other
7: the other side of that uh coin as well is that uh crypto startups and and smaller places um by nature are into new technologies so why wouldn't they containerize everything so yeah, wink wink nudge nudge
2: this is true wait are we setting up a botnet i didn't catch that
7: no like i'm just saying that like a lot of the the platforms that are hosting uh like the new technology like so so crypto uh cryptocurrency um services being a a newer technology um you you know there's a correlation between uh the like you know the people who are working on cryptocurrency stuff and wanting to be able to deploy it uh quickly and in at scale and you know, if if you're providing a service, say I don't know, say gambling service, or maybe a um, some sort of currency watch, or something that re- requires like computation across multiple nodes, and then you know, just by nature of being the newer technology, that those people also want to work with other newer technologies. So, if you were to go and have a look at some. Yeah you know, some, like, some, uh, systems, I'm sure you'd find that they were non-surprisingly hosted on Kubernetes stuff.
2: Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. Um, the next story that we have in here, uh, interesting, it's the U.S. is readying charges against Chinese hackers, and I'm actually gonna post a different link in here, because I'm blocked from watching, or from reading that Wall Street Journal thing, and even my, my, yeah, I just don't feel like, wall In uh, Voices of Voice, I just posted it. But yeah, this is about uh, the U.S. is seeking, is seeking to charge uh, the Chinese hackers who have been hacking MSPs that uh, are related to uh, the Department of Homeland Security and other uh, like defense stuff. So this is pretty interesting. Oh, they're,
2: they're, going, they're going after MSPs?
4: Yeah, so these people were they've been able to they've have spent years trying to hack into certain ones. I'm not sure exactly the details about all of them, but they have been attempting to do certain things.
2: We're talking about like secure works and places like that, right?
4: Yeah. Like anything that's like providing a third party service to like the DOD wow. um, something like that are or so. homeland security and shit like that are being have been targeted by Hackers, like big surprise, but yeah, uh, they're actually seeking to charge them um, for these crimes though.
2: So I saw, I think Daniel Gallagher had a uh, a question up about that, and I kind of wondered what inspired that question. Obviously, this is what inspired it, but yeah, it's that's super dangerous, right? Because you have you have access to a an oracle that is the uh, controlling the security of organizations not limited to even like power companies. There's absolutely a majority of power companies actually have MSPs and you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I kind of wonder what, what will be revealed because depending on the level of access and all that, there's damage and infiltration that could be done and could still be going on. And, and, I've seen uh some MSPs that I won't name specifically kind of how they work internally and how they build their stuff and mm-hmm. it is it's it's just like any other startup it's not pretty it's there to it's there to serve a purpose and not with security in mind ironically
4: yeah i mean a lot of them they have like cheap interns and people who are just coming on to be you know do system administration work or whatever, but that, you know, they don't really, like, it's hard to put into, I guess, put it in someone's head if they don't already understand it, how important that kind of job actually is to be an assistant in for someone like that.
2: Yeah, well, and and it also comes down to pay, right? Like, usually those are kind of lower paying jobs because they're entry level-ish, yeah. and I don't think people understand the gravity of what they actually are holding the keys to. Crazy stuff.
5: No, and I think you bring up a really good point. Uh, sorry if I sound different, I'm pretty sick. But uh, yeah, a lot of people, <clears throat> I've noticed with MSPs and other partner programs, you don't always understand exactly what you're doing. You're just, oh, this is X client, and you know the name, you see the name, you can Google the name, but you don't understand what potentially data is actually at risk for these clients or these particular partners or individuals
1: yeah man definitely yeah so it's
4: definitely interesting to look at and think that people should i don't know just be aware of this kind of stuff and if you are working in a even if you think your job is not mean much definitely take it seriously because people are trying to do this kind of stuff all the time
2: yeah so just as a specific oh i'm sorry go ahead I i
7: was gonna say like um Like a friend of mine uh, started working as a sysadmin at a very unimportant uh, contractor um, years ago. And when he went in there, they were using Soho firewall and some other stuff. And this guy's not a security guy. He's just, you know, he's just a sysadmin type too. Um, But they they do do defense related stuff. Um, It's not very exciting. But instantly the first thing he said is like, okay, well any anything you have is now belongs to China. And they were like, well, why? Like what why would you say that? He's like, well, you know, you what you you have a defense contract. That's pretty much it. Like if you have uh if that's what you do in any capacity, um you you're probably a target. So lol. Yep. Yeah.
2: The other thing um, is just something I want to mention specifically with SecureWorks, I recall, um, not saying anything others was owned. I like, I don't know, but I do know one of the products that they offered was a box that you install in a privileged area of your network that quite literally ran TCP dump. And that like to think of, Nation-state actors having that kind of access and control is something that should be on everybody's mind. That is security-minded because that's freaking That's just crazy.
0: Wasn't yeah. It yeah. the uh, SecureWorks analyst who ran some payload that he was trying to look into and infected a bunch of Marriott? Yep. Neat. Yep.
6: Well, uh, <laughs> on the subject of China. Um... You know i actually lived and worked over there for three years and uh ran a pretty big it shop for a company you've heard of and uh you know it's not unusual for the chinese government to show up and say we want this box on your network and you ask what's in the box and they won't tell you uh and when does it need to be on the network like in this specific place right now basically and you know if you don't have any leverage there's nothing you can do um yeah you know, that's Fortunately, never happened to me, but it did happen to a Fortune 1 company uh, where I knew the IT manager.
4: (laughs) A Fortune 1 company. Okay.
6: That's uh, the the box signature signature
7: edition.
8: They're trying that stuff in Australia right now, right? They're trying to put these mystery boxes on our 5G network. They're not going to tell us how they work. They're not going to let us look inside them. Sorry. Well, Australia
6: is even worse, man. Like they just passed that crazy law that deputizes every Australian developer to insert malware into software they're working on on behalf of the uh, Australian government. You know, the only logical response for any company that isn't Australian is to immediately fire all Australians. Yeah,
2: I think, uh, uh, TNZ, have you had a chance to have a few drinks? Are you are you okay to <sighs> talk about it? Because it sounds like uh, we should talk about.
7: Uh, yeah, but let's just let's just can we quickly just go these next two topics yeah. that are also China right. related. Let's to so China. Right. Next, and,
4: next uh, one. who Huawei's global chief financial officer uh, in Vancouver. So this one is interesting too. Um, there's not really much information about it. It's just about some violate sanctions uh, relating to Iran and some other com- other sanctions and stuff. But there's not really a lot of info about it um does anybody know anything more about this story because this is
7: so basically this one is um the tldr is that they uh that there's sanctions on sending certain uh hardware over to iran so what they did was they created they knowingly created um subsidiary companies and basically just sort of like uh side channeled products through to to that country um so they specifically, um, did some shady to, to bypass sanctions, which is what this is really about. Um, well,
8: HS, HSBC are implicated as well, but, um, none of their executives have been arrested yet. So, um, yeah, it seems well,
0: politically,
7: I think, yeah, it's definitely, there's, I think it's a, a bit of the case where, um, Huawei are very controversial right now. Um. The fact that, you know, we've talked about the the 5G Australian rollout has them banned. The 5G New Zealand rollout has them banned, like as in infrastructure, not as in handsets. Um, so, and the British Telecom are also pulling them out, which came from um, uh, some some big dick at uh, MI6. It was, it was for, for uh, British Telecom. So... They're pretty controversial right now. Um and I think that's a lot of a lot to do with the arrest is is around uh that as well. So HSBC don't have that controversy controversy around them. So that's probably why they're not copying as much flak. I suppose. Forget Did who you was see the one? Um, no, no, was Apple sold. came out.
1: No.
8: Did you what? see that Apple, uh, Apple got banned uh, from selling iPhones in China?
2: Yeah. It's, uh, Today? It's from a Qualcomm lawsuit. And yeah. It doesn't affect the newer model phones, but, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And it's, uh, you know. Yeah,
8: it's, again, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just brinksmanship, political game playing because of the, war trade, uh, the war trade, trade war that's going on. Um, For
2: those who haven't heard, though, what happened? No, they're literally just, it was the result of a lawsuit. So there was some kind of uh, IP lawsuit, I believe it was known for IP, uh, intellectual property, and it was between Qualcomm and um, I'm assuming Apple. I actually don't know much about it. All I know is that it was the result of a case involving Qualcomm and the phones that... Temporary
8: injunction, and it's pretty rare that these ever get granted by anybody on the planet, let alone in China. Where um, they don't really respect copyright that,
6: that hard. Yeah. Um, China totally uh, respects intellectual property when it suits the aims of the Chinese government. Yeah. Uh, one other really important point here is that uh, patents in China are not global patents. So if you have a global patent, it's basically global anywhere except for China. Uh, and so Qualcomm got patents on Apple technology uh, well that they claim is theirs. And they've now sued Apple in Chinese court uh to prevent apple from selling china, uh devices in china and it just so happens that the chinese government wants a way to block apple from china so this is a really convenient way to do it uh, that's kind of how china plays
2: yeah china isn't impressed with the level of uh cooperation that they might be requesting and not getting from
8: yeah there's a lot Um, of other trade war crap going back and forth at the moment like soybeans pork all this crap is affected but huawei is like the tip of the media spear um yeah god knows it's 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 like a coordinated attack from the five eyes nation if you look on them in the media of any five eyes nation right now there's front page huawei update
7: yeah i think if you Um, have a look at the kind of things that um china own in australia like uh parent companies with infrastructure and in return we buy a bunch of stuff from them um like steel and other things that run the building industry you know there's like a lot of different uh complexities that have been set up with uh australian trade agreements with china so it's it's pretty crazy um but i think some of that power wants to be relinquished by both sides for different reasons, but not really, but everyone's just sort of dancing.
8: Trump came out today and said that he'll, he'll get involved um, in releasing this, this lady from from detention in Canada or wherever if necessary. But um, up until today, he basically just denied even having ever heard of Huawei. He's like, I don't know what any of that stuff is i mean
7: i, I actually um, sort
4: of believe that <laughs> he has no idea who they well, are That's yeah a, maybe thing. yeah but uh speaking of china again um super Micro sent out a letter to its customers saying that it has found no evidence of malicious chips on its motherboards um and they asked third party companies uh-huh. to audit their hardware so yeah apparently i didn't even know bloomberg has not said anything about that one story that they did there's not a redaction nor correction nor follow-up. There's just been one story that just went out about this, yeah. and it made uh, Supermicro shares cool. just drop 41% right after the report was published.
8: That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. Illuminati.
2: Something I find... I it, say
8: it's part of the trade war. I say it all is part of the same thing.
2: Yeah. Something I find interesting is that uh, Supermicro hasn't taken any civil action against Bloomberg and I, maybe it's just because they're not allowed to but I would think almost in this case that there some kind of action would be taken and it it could be because there's partial truths in the article yes you know what I mean and I, I'm actually I, so, so I'm quite
8: action would, would be admitting to something Sorry. Perhaps they don't.
1: say that again
4: He said that admitting to something would then reveal something else, so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So he just accidentally screws up over saying, Well, we don't have any of those kind of back, but <laughs> well, uh, well,
7: right. I think when, if you look at the NSA toolkit, uh, where they were intercepting um Cisco routers and stuff through the postal service, um, and installing implants, uh, so maybe it's not like the, the single capacitor looking chip bullshit that they have um but maybe that there's probably something in the catalog uh for off the shelf supermicro micro hardware who knows probably the from we you don't know, really know what until it comes out so
2: there was an article that the register did i believe that had a pretty good breakdown of what's real and what's not real uh to a provable point and one of the things that they brought up were Ethernet adapter implants. And I think those have generally been proven. I could be wrong, but there, there was a really good article um, that registered did that, uh, that seemed to be yeah. calling out what's, what's right and what's not.
7: So the Supermicro um, Ethernet adapter firmware in particular was um, brought up. Where it was being shipped with a vulnerable version, which could just be, you know, that's not could maybe it's not intentional,
1: right? Yeah, they were and actually- where it
7: was going to, like the the Google DCs, and I don't know, I'm not sure if it was Google, but the I can't remember who made this statement, um, but they were saying that like as part of before any deployment, they upgrade, the, you know the efi rom they upgrade the firmware of the ethernet adapter and none of their stuff's affected because they responsibly patched their shit before they put it in the dc
2: yeah it's a crazy case i think the other really the thing that sticks out to me about it is the companies that came out against it amazon apple etc um came out against the article in such a public way that I've never seen anything like it before. Like it's, it's, it was odd to me just how vehemently everybody denied it and the tinfoil hat part of me kind of says, well, that's really strange. Why, why is that happening? <laughs> yeah. Um,
4: next story here um interesting is google is going to shut down google plus four months early after a second data leak this is getting ridiculous um they yeah (laughs) there was the developer api that people had access to another developer api um and you could access private data that was like private posts which is not that interesting but everything that's t- like google plus is tied to all of our gmail accounts so it's just like anything that's been shared within the context of like your google plus persona which is like your you know whatever picture and name is on there uh, is attached to that so i don't know what the actual full scope of that actually means but it's yeah I'm glad they're shutting it down <laughs> yeah google plus
7: is gonna go through wave google buzz all the other things that I can't even remember the names of.
2: You know what's What's... sad about it? Like, I kind of use it a little bit. I use it enough that it'll be, you gotta get something else to figure out a replacement for.
4: Yeah. Like Google Hangouts and stuff like that was like, cool. And stuff like that ended up being tied to like your full identity.
2: It's just like, okay.
4: (laughs) It gets tied to your like phone search history. You're just like, if anything happens in the the middle of things. Like I don't know. Someone gets to see how many times I have to Google what is my IP.
2: <laughs> what do you think I the next uh, super micro safe? What do you guys think the next uh, service is going to be that they do the same thing too? Because they've been shutting down a lot of stuff randomly. It seems like I don't know. I
1: just
7: oh, want yeah, to like,
2: Probably search, right? Like nobody uses that anymore. Yeah,
7: probably. <laughs> no there's there's a bunch of services they have like uh google um like the personal homepage stuff the blogger stuff i feel like some of those uh platforms are probably used a bit by specific people but in general most like if, if if you say to somebody like or somebody says to you like hey where do i start a blog you're like i don't know medium whatever go there
2: so, do you, you think
7: you, it, you don't instantly think, like, oh, yeah, Blogger that's owned by Google?
2: Is but is oh, yeah, that's right. They do. Do you guys think it's possible that Twitter has regained so much market cap that Google is shutting it down because they know they'll own Twitter after the purchase that they make that hasn't been announced? It's a decent Maybe.
7: theory. I mean, direct that is competitors,
8: one product makes sense. It- you can imagine Google just completely destroying Twitter by turning it into some horrible <laughs> Google Plus.
2: God, yeah, it would be so bad. They totally would. Introducing like, so Twitter, like Twitter, yeah, yeah. uh,
8: <laughs> Twitter Hangouts. Yeah, yeah. Twitter integrated with Drive. <laughs> Twitter
7: Drive. Yeah. It was
2: supposed to be Twitter the, the driver for Twitter. I think. Twitter
7: Wave. Think. <laughs> One of the things with with Twitter, though, as well, is that uh. It operates in a very specific manner that are, they've sort of stuck to, even though they did things like increasing the character limit um, and and some other stuff. It's it's known that you know you just make Twitter account insta you know make Twitter account from Tor, okay troll people like that's the whereas Google are the very opposite where you know you need to attach a mobile phone to your account now and all that kind of
8: stuff. So
1: yeah.
7: Uh, it's not that
8: easy to open a Twitter account anymore. Actually, they are pretty Nazi. Yeah,
2: um, I was just gonna say it's becoming. You like need a phone. phone.
8: It's pretty hard. If you don't have a phone. So, I think
7: you cool. can still. I'm not sure they block um, like Twilio numbers and stuff, but I think uh, they, don't. they You can't reuse the Twilio numbers, so you need to get one that's not. You
2: go, really? used to be able to use them five times.
7: Yeah, but I think everybody's used them five times. <laughs> so it's kind that of yeah. It's, it's last time, uh, last time I was screwing around with uh, Twi- uh, Twitter and Twilio, it was uh, it was unsuccessful um, for a little while. Then it worked, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah,
2: you can use Google Voice though; it's still good." Until they shut that down, right? Hey, yep. um, Faith, I don't did did you mention this out loud? I didn't hear you, but. Uh, Supermicro paid a law firm to do that audit.
8: What? Yeah, I kind of we kind of missed that in the story. Like, if you read the intro to that story, they said uh, Supermicro had an audit of their motherboards done by Norello and Co. Well, who the fuck are they? I looked them up, and we're a, a law firm that specializes in asset recovery and litigation. Oh, So, yeah, I thought maybe there was some kind of elite hacker unit I hadn't heard of that's qualified to, like, find nation-state level backdoors in hardware, but...
2: Uh, Oh, man. (laughs) That definitely adds yet another layer of what the F. Uh,
8: I mean, that was... Supermicro's Supermicro's lawyer team says there's no backdoors. Uh, everyone just goes okay no problem Uh, they're lawyers they know what they're
7: doing so one of the things about that actually that's interesting is is similar to the huawei um uh 5g argument that was had uh where they basically said no 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 we'll hand over all the plans and all the you, you can inspect the source and you can do this and you can do that but what came into question was you know if we go and inspect these devices these boxes is that actually what's we're going to get like are you going to give us what you're giving showing us the spec to or do we have to go and make sure that that is what we're getting because it's uh yes don't just check in in our experience the
8: the hardware did not match specification so we said sorry we are we ordered a big mac with no pickles and there's pickles on this so take it back and uh, they're not happy about it (laughs) (laughs)
4: um yo yo so uh what was the next thing here um Krebs. oh the yeah boys, the squad yeah so uh surprise surprise uh the leader of a apophis squad gets uh three years three years in jail for so many bomb threats and pretending that a plane was hijacked and just some of the most sh- just shit tier stuff i've ever heard yeah. uh yeah they they got they yeah I, it's that uh, yeah, that's what happens. Literally, if you taunt, if you taunt the feds, and you are 19 and live with your parents, they are coming to your house.
2: They were such idiots yes. too. They connected the IRC server directly from their cable modem. Yeah, so, like just I- yep. idiocy.
7: I thought the other thing that was funny as well was uh, this: the type of quote DDoS were was, was complete HTTP requests. Like, oh no, yeah, that's true. There was no like TCP magic or anything, it was just like make a lot of get requests. Yeah, mm-hmm. no.
1: yeah.
8: no chunked encoding, no large headers, no anything, just curl. The curl for loop, the, the
0: oldest hacker tool.
8: <laughs> well, we tried our best, we tried our best with that kid, you didn't listen, so, so yeah.
4: But the the, the the whole story though, because I mean we like I don't know we've seen this, these kids for a while. Uh, but the story just of them ddosing Proton Mail and then using Proton Mail to talk about ddosing other sites. Is <laughs> incredible! <laughs> incredible! Like especially because they clearly weren't taking the proper precautions. If you're doing this stuff, get a
2: VPN. You can set up an Open VPN for free. Or at least get on the VPN not owned by the company you're attacking. Go to fucking yeah, exactly. Starbucks. Yeah. I, it's don't basically anything. I, I usually don't like to even uh, critique people's opsec when they get busted and stuff. Because yeah. in the end, when it's all presented, it's obviously going to look really bad because they have all dots and all the dots connected, right? But in this case, Jesus. No, come on! Take any precautions whatsoever.
7: I think a really big tell with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these. I get listen. Age is definitely a factor when it comes to a lot of this. People who are ddos'ing, a lot of people who are carding, swatting. Like, there's a a few different categories that we sort of consider. I guess the like you were saying shit here, Um, and like. Bomb threats against 1700 schools and universities. That's bomb threats crazy. that's not like you know, that that's that's not hacking, that's not that's just calling up someone on the phone and being like, Hey, lol, there's a bomb. Like, that's not very responsible,
8: cool, or skillful.
7: Master, there's yeah. nothing masterful
8: about it. It's like it's basically like being a um. Like a a pyromaniac or something, just burning something down.
4: Um, yeah, well I totally hacked your 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 house. They
8: burned it down. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: shit. Bezos protection, bro. Remember that?
8: There, uh, there oh, are. Yeah. I mean, there are. But th- this guy was 19, right? So it's not like he's. Well, I mean, you can still say he's a kid, uh, mat- maturity wise, mm-hmm. still a teenager. um mm-hmm. But you're right it definitely seems to be an age bound thing where the the like fighting and bravado and sort of chest thumping stuff that you see yeah. with Dedos and squatting and that happens in the in the schoolyard and it continues online yeah um i think this that, is something else i don't know
2: that no yeah, it is something else because that number uh 1700 jesus christ i like how many no- a, a day did he have to do to reach that number
8: yeah who is he impressing like has he got some cheer squad going that's amazing you should you should call him more uh, bomb threats that's like, the best you know, i think I thoughts
7: like you know i don't really like that term ethos like I, I find, but that's what the i guess uh in in the scenes that i've seen um oh. it's very much trying to how many how many girls can we get in our chat room and will they cyber and stuff right let's do bomb threats to impress them um and other again schoolyard type stuff that just is not please stop it i'm turned on right now
2: something to point out also if it was just ddos and some of the other things without the bomb threats there's a good chance that years down the road um companies are going to be interested or at least some companies are going to be interested in consulting work or whatever, because you technically were a hacker or whatever. But when you start adding stuff like bomb threats, it, it changes.
4: Like that. hijacking.
2: Yeah. It changes the dynamic of your crime to where now not sure. even, not even shady consulting companies want to talk to you.
4: Yeah. But it's it's like a, like we don't want the your, terrorist. Yeah. It's a tell
7: of your, of your morality as well because sometimes um for example carters um can justify that they're stealing money from the bank um sometimes you know the money's insured they can they they use different ways to justify what they're doing with their moral compass when it comes to calling in a bomb threat when it comes to calling in a hijacked plane um you definitely uh just out
8: there <laughs> that's to just, be a dick. That's just baby terrorism. Baby terrorism really. It's like Chaotic I agree.
2: Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah.
8: A lot of these, a lot of these kids think they're, you know, the Joker from the Batman movie or whatever. They're, they're, they're here to bring chaos to the world. They're a little Professor Chaos from South Park.
0: Well, it is like a lot of like a lot of power in that sense, right? When you could stop, you know, websites from being up and stop, you yeah. know, planes yeah. from flying around and stop them getting, like, that. Well,
8: yeah. and a lot people of who know they're going to go to jail. They want to, they want to put on a show. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, they don't have a story to tell when they're in prison. They assume they're going to be there, so might as well go out with a bang.
0: Also, we're, we're still getting
8: DDoSed in three years. <laughs> yeah, you know,
7: no, uh, we're
2: getting yeah. DDoSed already. Is, is, <laughs> help, by the way? is that maybe why we're getting DDoSed?
7: <laughs> no, so like we were um, we were getting DDoSed last week, I think, and um. I just transferred the DNS to Cloudflare and pointed the website at, like it was previously static HTML Apache. So we were suffering absolutely zero. Chaos. Um, yeah. And we moved across to, uh, Cloudflare and S3. Uh, so it was, have added, it.
2: it was Go the most lame DDoS to 46 megabits. That's enough apparently for, uh, our provider to null route. But Jesus, forty-six megabits is you can send that <laughs> with your cable modem. That's one
4: box here, you know, like one other server on the inside.
2: Any, right. It's like lower server.
4: Server. Yeah. So uh speaking of DDoS so you guys see this thing uh the same day that, that happened we were talking about co op. Um I'd never heard of this before and I don't think anybody else had either of these scale sec hadn't heard of it which is what Tip me off that no one's <laughs> heard of it. Uh, CoAP though, it's like a UDP protocol devices can use, and you send a tiny little packet, tiny little UDP packet, and it sends back a ton of data, similar to like FEMCache or anything like that, DNS reflection, yeah, kind of thing. This stuff.
2: Um, Somebody mentioned MQTT was part of this too. Is that what co is?
4: I don't, I don't think so.
2: Um, MQTT
7: is something that sits on top of it. Like usually rabbit is used as a MQTT server, also in Mosquito is another name for it.
5: Hmm. Um,
7: but I, I don't know. think specifically like, because it's a message queued service, it's not, uh, it'll ensure delivery. So if MQTT is handling co-op, um, it'll just ensure that the co-op, um, packets delivered and then later amplified, which is pretty
2: oh okay that's interesting yeah I, I saw i saw an article with them mixed together and i couldn't understand the link that's cool though. i find these things fascinating like do it up find some new ways to do stuff it's interesting
8: remember um a rob did when he was working on on mass scanner uh udp stuff he was he, he wrote a couple of articles about how he was getting random amplification coming in over udp just sending garbage to random hosts on random ports um, yeah, or, or or null payloads, just just uh, just a header, UDP datagram, and rabbit, um, it's getting back, coming back from other networks and stuff. And he he tried it again, and it happened again. And he just kind of mentioned it in passing because I think some of those networks were government or infrastructure <laughs> or something.
2: What was that? And I
8: wonder. Did you see anything like that in your adventures, Dan, in UDP scanning? Did you see weird?
2: um yeah that's the i can't remember which ip protocol it was but the one little pearl kind of ip fuzzer that i have uh yeah it would definitely it would do some wacky things especially with ipv6 and encapsulation protocols so there's a way more that hasn't been discovered like
8: If you just blasted a, a payload with the character 1 or 0 in a UDP datagram across the entire IPv4 space, um, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee some things would be responding to that and probably sending you traffic back going, yes, I'm okay, I'm alive, here's my serial number. That's
7: actually what, um, so uh, part of the 3G backhaul bush thing, those routers that I hacked ages ago, um, there was a... That's what it was. It was a, a random UDP port listening for a specific um, Python and Pickle. And when you yeah. sent it data, it responded. And that was, you know, unfortunately, because of Pickle and other things, the problem was actually RCE, not just some reflected thing. Oh, wow.
1: um,
7: but technically, if it didn't have RCE, if it was just responding with the type of data that it should expect, so there's um, the default operation is ping. So, if you sent it an incorrect payload, it would give you the ping result, um, which was, uh, like, so an incorrect payload is opening the UDP socket and then closing, well, sorry, not opening UDP, so sending anything to the UDP socket, and then it would respond with the ping. So, technically, like, that, yeah, just thinking right. about that right yeah. now, like, that, that would work in that sense.
2: That's really cool. Yeah, these, these things are fun. When did uh, Rob do that, by the way, Faith?
8: uh i can't remember the name of the article exactly but it was like fun with null payloads udp null payload pay- payloads i
2: wouldn't mind I doing that it. i think that would be really fun like, uh, I, uh, yeah i've kind of wanted to always explore it but it's a matter of time and like prioritizing stuff right <laughs> Uh, now,
8: hey, all we- and also, finding, finding a host that will actually allow you to do this for more than a couple minutes at a time. <laughs> Ooh,
2: I have a host now. Yay. Yay. Yo, so speaking
4: of, I uh, forgot what my little transition was. Speaking of, of you, I guess, Dan, um, we have, like, a couple of, uh, what's it called, only a few minutes left before the... Uh, We do our main talk. We should get into the two important stories of the day. One is the Australian bill, but I wanted to go over what you found today um, into um, uh, Joseph Cox heard about it.
2: Yeah, it's just, it, it wasn't, so a lot of times the things that end up blowing up on Twitter are things that I have no previous indication or thought. That it's going to get big or noticed and this was one of them again um it, it, there was a conversation that uh kevin Beaumont was having about Equifax, and it just it reminded me that back when the Equifax breach happened mm-hmm. i had looked around to see is are the other three or are the top three in the us are they all using struts or not and the answer is yes like Equifax. Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion are all three using struts. And that's kind of really just the meat of it is just, I was pointing out, by the way, guys, uh, in case you forgot, Experian is still using struts and uh so is TransUnion. And that actually turned into something even bigger after people, as they do, Kind of start digging in on it there were open directories found there were manuals found and these manuals had actual customer data in them um, and it just turned into the the same old story that we just keep seeing over and over again which is um, people doing a really terrible job securing their infrastructure and not not really caring too much that they're not doing a good job because there's no repercussions. And I think that's most clear by what happened with Equifax. Um, I I don't recall if they were even fined, but there was certainly no financial impact to them. I'm pretty sure they turned a profit that, yeah. that year.
8: The CEO resigned um, and maybe someone else... Internationally took, yeah uh, but they but
2: they probably had golden probably actually... or golden parachute, so they probably got paid when they left I in this this
0: topic it's always worth asking you know what company has been close to going out of
2: business because of a breach Zero yeah. that I don't know of not even hacking team right like hacking team yep was a was an wow. example that I think is wow, if any company was going to close, it would be a team that was designed to right. hack Literally Uh hacking team that gets hacked. That would be the it's game over. They didn't even change the name, it's still hacking team. Yeah.
5: Well, to me, to me, the whole hacking team thing, because I had a discussion about this recently. The fact that you're right, they didn't change their name, they didn't have a repercussion beyond, you know, maybe a slap on the wrist, maybe they don't work for a single government agency or government anymore but uh you know it's it's almost it's almost also the market's fault right like the fact that people are still freaking hiring them like i i i thought they went, i thought they personally i thought they did go out of business i go yeah. back and look it up and no they still have government contracts across yeah. the board not, not totally. just with u.s governments and other but you know other governments too and it's like are you kidding me like what so Let's, let's all just throw our data around. There's no recourse anymore.
2: It's too bad because it, 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 there's, a, there's a certain amount of uh, people that are jaded, especially people that have been in the industry long-term, especially on the blue side. There's a certain amount of just a, a point where you get jaded to everything or at least you get a little negative about things. And it, like seeing stuff like this continue to happen over and over again doesn't help at all it just doesn't but yeah no that it. at the end of the day I have nothing to uh, no evidence that Experian or TransUnion's been owned other than the fact that they're using struts and in my mind when you're using struts there's a pretty good chance that somebody's been inside at some point
7: I think just (laughs) the uh... Some of the screenshots that were shown on Twitter that other people had found of open directories with uh, source zipped and stuff like that, that's that's a pretty good indicator that, you know, it's probably <laughs> not to really be trusted. But, um, yeah, uh, I wonder who
8: does that penetration testing. They must use uh, Norello and co, the same guys as Super Micro. Well,
2: oh, one, one of the guys that was doing a really good job, and man, I wish I had his at to give him a proper shout out, but I, he was finding burp save files, in the freaking directory. Oh, nice. It's amazing. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's a good sign. Cool. Burp was so, writing
1: to that.
2: Minimum yeah, was writing to that.
7: We're gonna spend five minutes talking about this Australian bullshit.
2: It's. But I, thought it was, I thought it was a good thing for everybody. Yo, hold on. Did, did you have enough drinks?
4: You networks, by the way. That was the guy. That was yeah. the first Yeah. He found, like, remote code execution, like, vectors,
2: like, some save. (laughs) It's like, like, Yeah. He cleared up. He did a fucking amazing job. Everybody should follow him. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Alright. So, you want to do your rant about Australia now?
7: Very quickly. Oh, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? (laughs) So... Uh, basically, the premise of this bill uh, is that it it was rushed through before Christmas, just in case there was a terror attack over Christmas, um, that they could say that it was through. And there was very little opposition from um, the independents or the, the opposition to the government at all. Um, and everybody sort of shook hands and agreed and said, yep, terrorists are bad, push a bill through. Um, what you're reading in the news probably is mostly bullshit um the practicality of it is just through the floor um no no it's not a bill that says everybody in australia is not allowed to use um an encry- encrypted messengers that's bullshit um basically like, what it's trying to achieve is that individuals can be um, targeted as part of whatever and through like AB groups and and other ways of of pushing out things, they can, uh, the the government should be able to push out um, methods to break end-to-end encryption. So there's some some specific stuff in there about um, carriage operators and uh, not introducing systemic weaknesses into the network so that basically means um you can't you can't downgrade the encryption on 4g or 5g or whatever like that's that's where they're going with that that's the intent um but you can target uh specific people and you can make requests to uh telcos and and other um software vendors that ship encryption to introduce specific um laws to be to to for specific use cases so not a blanket version of signal that goes out to everyone in australia that will telegram or like can you imagine if if they said hey telegram can you give us a backdoor version and sign it and put it on the app store just in australia and just serve it to these people like telegram would tell them to you know get fucked um and and with iMessage that's probably what apple's going to
1: do and that's probably what
7: Um, now not complying. So the other thing to comply with is if, uh, in there is that it's possible for a, um, it's possible for, uh, a government department with this authority, which I'll get to who that is in a sec, um, to compel, not just the company, but specific employees at the company to introduce the backdoor and not tell their employer, um, with, the threat of jail time on top so if you do if you don't comply with the government uh the company can get a 10 million dollar fine or an individual i believe it's an individual related can can face jail time um i that's i'm not 100 sure on the exact because one of the things like the thing about this is that it's hazy it's not written in a very straightforward term because it was rushed through um, the amendments are planned for february but there's no guarantee like no one really says like they're like we're going to talk about amendments in february but the bills already gone through so everything from that point is backpedaling um which we all know means that it may or may not happen we'll see but only time can tell so that's that's basically the the gist so um a lot of uh a lot of tech companies in australia are really worried a lot of people who work in it are really worried I don't really think those people should be as concerned as they are um, just because practicality and, and having someone do something for you for the government's sake is, is very low. Um, I think though what, where the problem with this all lies is that there's more to it than, than that. That's what you'll see in the headlines or whatever. The, the thing with it is there's things about, um, entering premises. Uh, there's things about certain, um, warrant scenarios. There's also certain, um, uh, statements in there about, uh, like who has this authority? Like, is it, it's not just the, well, the idea is it's it's not just the Intel agencies who probably have the, uh, capabilities technically to do, you know, certain sing- like targeting single people. That's they already do that. Um, for, you know, anti-terror or whatever. Uh, And also they have the ability to sign off and go, hang on a minute, we need to get, you know, certain warrant judge to sign off on this, get this done. Yep, intercept on this person, done, good stuff. Um, The authority is given given out um, to a a bunch of lesser departments. Um, And if we look at the metadata retention laws and how they were used, they're abused pretty heavily. So the abuse potential for this is high uh, due to one of the the, the, the lack of accountability and, and recourse that there is so um, if you find that you're backdoor like if you if you were to say for example open your phone and your signal hash doesn't match the only recourse that you actually have is to reinstall signal that's that's all you got Um you can't really, you're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to do anything about it. And if the government gets it wrong and they start backdooring the wrong person, um, then that's, that's too bad. That's basically, well, suck it up. We're trying to catch terrorists. Um, there's a really strong narrative of the terrorist push here, but I, I think it, it's very like ill thought out. Um, and yeah, like it's the problems. I see with it are more around responsibility, accountability, um, and the authority that's given out to. Uh, I think the stuff that you read about anti-encryption is just absolutely, like, probably not gonna happen. Um, that intel agencies and stuff already possess that they already do, like, that's that's where it's crazy. So, um, it's, it's fucked because it's vague. And like, I'll like, I know that there's certain vendors who work in Australia who ship encryption software. Um, they work on sensitive things. And I think those people are worried. And I think, you know, we'll see, um, some lawyer battles where basically, you know, the people who have the money like Apple, like Amazon, like Google would just be like, no, get fucked. Like we're not paying you $10 million fine. That's stupid. Um, but in the case where they requ- you know uh in the cases where they would normally help the government through a warrant or whatever i think it will just go through as normal because that's what what already happens so yeah if like if the amendments are to be made i think i'm not i'm not sure that there's ever a going back scenario from this or a a real solved solution that this can come to um the rights are taken away and blah, 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 all that, it's, they're gone. But um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out if amendments are made in February um, and, and some other stuff. But I think what it's really done is if you're a foreign company and you know about this and you operate within Australia um, and you ship encryption software, then it's likely that you would potentially not want your employees to be in Australia so it's a potential negative impact on, uh, security companies, uh, like security as an, uh, export industry, whereas the local companies, um, everybody's going to be under the same sort of umbrella and it won't really affect people like small companies operating within Australia. If you work at a, like as a dev, um, I don't really think, you know, you should waste your breath whinging that um oh but the government this but the government that and i don't think that uh you're ever going to get contacted to introduce a backdoor into your uh into your startup software so
2: so i mean like see how it pans to... out?
7: but yeah the the tldr is that the it's the reach accountability and authority given that is the, the most uh messed up parts not really the fact that they're saying that they're going to tra- Try and like look how blocking Telegram looked out for, that turned out for Russia.
2: Yeah, I mean, you being a resident and kind of having a better feel for Daniel, politics. Oh, I can't hear. Uh,
7: okay. Oh, I, I hear you now.
2: Oh, um, so you being there and having kind of a better feel of the pulse of politics and climate and all that what do you see happening do you see it getting struck down do you see it getting significantly amended or do you see it actually going through as is?
7: it's already through as is it's it's past what's called royal assent where the governor general signs off um so uh, until because parliament's now closed until february um there's not going to be any changes it's in as is um uh, there is, for any Australians who are concerned, there is a repo um, that I should probably link in the chat that you that has a whole bunch of, of fact stuff that's going through, like um, trying to get some questions answered for people who are concerned.
2: Cool. Um, so I, I might be a little ignorant on just how government works in Australia, obviously, but I thought it had to go through the Senate or something.
7: Oh, it's through. It's done.
2: Oh. Oh, I thought it was only in this the house. Is in.
7: This is a this is re- this is a real thing now and what it's like so the the final step after it goes through the Senate is the royal assent where the governor general signs off.
2: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really quick that they did that then. That's that's insane. Yep. That's totally not. So out. one of the
7: things okay. is that the opposition leader Mr. Bill Shorten, he uh basically the, the gist is that he if a terrorist attack had have happened, and he opposed this bill over the time Parliament was closed. He'd look like a real fucking jackass. So, uh, with all
0: his courage, yeah. he he did look pretty oh. Well, yeah,
8: I right, uh, could, exactly. uh, could could I pivot off that uh, thing yeah. you just said? Um, the fact that this has been rushed through so quickly um, when everybody's basically peacing out for the holidays, and they've both sides have said, yeah, obviously not everything in this bill is going to be accepted. We're gonna we're gonna reconvene in February and um and have another look at this. Um it makes me feel as though it was rushed through to address a specific threat and that mm, it yeah. isn't targeted at iMessage and Telegram and what well, it may be it may be targeted at one of those things, like Wicker or something. They might be going after one person or they have an active threat that they've they've needed uh yeah. they've needed. So I think to the, rush I, I'm a, hoping a, that's what it
2: is. I think it's a really yeah. good observation because, yeah, it that, yeah, yeah, what you said. And
8: we <laughs> tend to have these kind of things happen over Christmas and New Year's because people that do these sort of things don't like Christianity, so they attack at Christmas, right? Pretty long well, history of, the, of that in the Western world,
2: so some definitely. And one, one of the things where, is going down,
8: one of Maybe. the things
7: I was, um a little bit like you know is that everybody back in back after the week after defcon was the show that we first talked about this and i brought up some of the stuff about like um entering properties without warrants blah 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 stuff back then i was like this is crazy this will never go um and a lot of people basically spent their breath making jokes about uh so there was a comment from the at, at the time prime minister which was the laws of uh mathematics and not as important as the laws of australia and that, that, everybody was busy making jokes about that, not actually going, hang on a minute, like, maybe we should probably say that the bill's fucked in other ways rather than just its practicality of uh, end-to-end
2: messaging, so. Well, you guys are definitely giving us a run for our money uh, in the in the government politics idiocy.
7: Uh, the, yeah. the best thing we can hope for with the amendments is that they. So if they keep in all the stuff about the end-to-end encryption, whatever, I don't think it's. I really don't think it's that big of a deal, and I don't think the um, the government compelling certain de- departments to have to do certain things um, either is that big of a deal. I think that uh the amendments are likely to clean up a little bit. Well, should the amendments happen, I guess you know they could just put them on the table and they say nah, fuck it, and leave it. But if the amendments do go through as as what we would hope um and the correct authority and responsibility is given out to go along with those i don't it's not going to be that big a deal um but yeah like again authority responsibility accountability they're the thing they're they're the they're the real problems with it in my opinion um not the fact that breaking into an encryption is difficult and and uh and um, impractical at scale so
4: tbd right uh, hold on one second guys i just crashed discord oh uh, my god no. but I, I just said i just sent. i commit felonies like so many emojis and then it's i can't close discord or do anything it's completely broken
2: well that we have a working discord crash
4: oh yeah uh hold on let me nice <laughs> uh, <laughs> hold on i'll, I'll... <laughs> One
1: second.
2: <laughs> was, we skipped I over know. one story. What was the uh, story
4: that we skipped well, over? It, it's 10.30 now. We should uh, talk to Hold on. Well, but your thing's crashed, so we can talk about something else for a minute. <laughs> well, he probably is here too uh too. It's 10.38, though, I'm just saying. Um, Fair enough. Um,
5: <laughs> hold on. I'm like trying
4: to like make sure my connection's the live. <laughs> I can't do anything at all. Um, hold on. Actually, T Profit. Hi, <laughs> yo. Hi. We should uh, start. Uh, sorry, talking here. I just got freaked up in my thinking. That everything is trying to go a Um but
6: You can still hear me though. Um, you know, there's uh, something you guys should play.
4: Oh yeah. Wait. Do you want to play? How were you playing it before?
6: Uh, I was just playing it on my uh, my computer here. I uh, I don't think I can do that while I'm holding down Control P though. One second, let me see if I can figure that out. Hold on,
4: <laughs> everything just broke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, my Discord clan is just all gray.
1: If uh-huh. I had like, I'd play it, I don't know where Link is. Uh... <laughs> Which channel was it in?
4: Uh, in Pet Zone. Oh, okay, here we go.
9: Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <fun>. All,
4: right. <laughs> All right. The boat horn <laughs> has been played. Uh, welcome T Prophet to Fun Crowd.
6: Yeah, so the uh the boat horn, like uh I, I know we had a bit of a false start there. It was really famous with the tele challenge this year because uh we were robo calling people with
2: oh yeah, and just uh so to to kind of introduce that that's uh that's the tele Challenge from defcon and uh, yeah that, uh,
6: that's right we we run kind of like a telephone c t f at defcon every year
2: right that's awesome, and as far as I know, it's the only i think i think we talked about this it was it's the only freaking c t f that exists right as far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's badass. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys consistently put together, uh, great CTFs. Um, this year was no exception. Um, I, I don't know how many people on the stream got a chance to participate. I know participation was lower, I think, than expected because I think a lot of people were, uh, either, uh, not realizing what was going on with it. And I think the other really big thing is generationally speaking, um, there's a decent amount of us in here that are uh, old enough to remember things like telephones, but uh, (laughs) yeah, generationally, uh, it freaking has kind of gone out of style for lack of a better term and kind of gone to the wayside. And uh, I know for you uh you and i uh all three of us are are pretty interested in freaking and uh i I'm, I'm obviously leaving out others in the channel that are as well too but uh yeah uh if if you could um one thing uh i think would be interesting for people that aren't really familiar with you or your work um can you kind of give us a rundown of what, uh, how you came up and your, your time with 2600 and all that?
6: Yeah, sure. So hi, I'm T Profit. Uh, I write for 2600, the hacker quarterly, which is the largest, uh, technology magazine on Kindle actually. And we still publish in print as well. Uh, you can pick us up at, uh, Barnes and Noble and other fine magazine retailers, what few still exist. Uh, And I write a column called the Telecom Informer, but I've been writing since 1990, so I'm actually kind of old. um, And I pretty much exclusively write about phone stuff. Um, I do other stuff too. Uh, I've I've got a travel blog called Seat 31B. That's Seat31B.com, and you know I'm. Pretty active on Twitter uh, and and you know do some stuff in the information security community as well, uh, such as uh, founding QueerCon, which is the largest LGBTQ uh, organization mm-hmm. in, uh, in InfoSec.
2: Hell yeah! And that's uh, uh, just QueerCon alone is always badass.
6: Uh-oh. I have nothing to do with it anymore. It's uh you know, I, I show up, they give me a uh an emeritus badge and say, "Please just enjoy the con and don't work." <laughs> um I'm pretty good at uh founding stuff and getting it off the ground and you know, when it when it comes to the scaling part, uh there's, you know, a couple of folks who are really good at that. Um Jason Painter particularly and uh you know, they've just uh, pretty much turned Quircon into a con within a con. Um but yeah. you know, Uh, When it comes to phone stuff, like, so I'd been doing a bunch of stuff at Defcon, right? Like I, you know, started QueerCon, got it off the ground, like, um, you know, uh, two other co-founders helped a lot with it as well. Uh, That's um, Aaron Brink and Jonathan Nelson. And so the three of us were kind of a, you know, dynamic trio, um, you know, running uh, QueerCon and I moved to China. And it got really hard to do one of the biggest parties at DEF CON and, like, try to put it all together, uh, you know, with two other people uh, when I was time zone shifted and, and, you know, shifted an entire day. And so uh, at that point, we had Jason come in and, and kind of take over, and I was looking for something to do, because, um, you know, when you run really big stuff at DEF CON, like, it's just... You know, all of a sudden you go and it's that year where you don't have anything and it's like, what? Uh, this doesn't make any sense. I'm not really working hard. Uh, so that, that's where the telechallenge challenge came from.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I can imagine it's like a full-time job, essentially, uh, when, you're, when you're running something that big and elaborate at, uh, at CON. I can't imagine there's really a lot of time to have a ton of fun other than actually putting on the thing. Um, so as far as the, the challenge goes, um, you kind of alluded to it at the beginning, um, but you guys were doing some really crazy, awesome stuff, um, including robocalling people. And the, the CTF, for those of you that can remember DEF CON, uh, and remember those days, you might have seen posters around for a uh, a travel company, and I I forget if it had a boat on the uh, on the actual poster or not, but I know. Yeah, we totally did. Yeah, it, I mean, you and you guys went all out, like as far as to like host booths and stuff. So, can you kind of take us through uh, what was involved in it? What what people are going to remember seeing, but then ultimately what what amount of crazy effort went into actually building this because I cannot imagine it's anything other than mind blowing
6: well it was a it was less effort than uh goes into queercon uh to be totally clear like those That's guys
9: great.
6: you know just do so much work, and you know it people give me way more credit than I deserve for queercon uh you know without people showing up and doing most of the work like that never would have been a thing. It's just, you know, uh, and that's what is really awesome about starting something new is if people are into what you're doing, a lot of the time they just show up and ask, how can I help? And they just really want to be a part of it. And so, um, you know, that's kind of happened with the tele challenge. So I had this idea, you know, th- three years ago, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was the third tele challenge last time. So we're going into the fourth and, uh, you know, again, I was getting kind of bored with DEF CON, like, you know, I'd, I'd stopped uh, running QueerCon um, and was looking for something to do. So I got together with a friend of mine named uh, Avi Friedman, um, and he's an old school, like, BBS Sysop. And, you know, I was too. And so we kind of got this idea that wouldn't it be fun if we did something BBS related? And so I got a bunch of floppy disks, like actual three and a half inch floppy disks and made like an old wares floppy, like you'd get it at a 2600 meeting. And it, you know, I actually ran a BBS um, back in the day, like the dark tension and I both had boards in Seattle and we even traded wares. So like I had some stuff from his BBS uh, on the, like, a, you know, there was like a BBS listing with the dark tension system in
2: it. And, you know, so basically I, mean, I remember, this. so wait a minute, but some of that stuff that was on those floppies was from the original back in the day.
6: Yeah. Straight up. Like, so before oh, like Defcon, like, Nefcon, uh, like uh, DT was a BBS sysop, and he had a BBS in Seattle called uh, a dark Tension system. And so, and I, my BBS was called the bin and we were friends. So, you know, like we both had these respectable like areas in the front with message bases and stuff. And then, you know, like, in the back door, there was all wares and, you know, I had a ton of wares and so did he, and like we trade uh, wares and like hacker stuff. Uh, And that's kind of, you know, how I got to know about DEF CON because, you know, he just invited all his friends down to Vegas and that became the first DEF CON. So yeah, like I went and dug through like all my storage and found an archive of like some of this old stuff, like these old, you know, like old files from, uh, you know, back in the day and made a bunch of BBSs uh, like I made a bunch of uh, floppy disks kind of like you would get at a 2600 meeting. Cause you know, back in the day, you'd go to a 2600 meeting and people would like hand out floppies and sometimes they'd be full of viruses, like just to mess with you. And sometimes <laughs> there'd be awesome stuff there too. Like, uh, you know, mucho mas and like minor threat would show up with, you know, the latest build of tone sometimes uh, at the 2600 meeting they went to. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so the, uh, like the first year of the tele challenge, and I just really want to set the stage for where this came from and, and we'll talk about like what we did last year. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I basically uh found people that looked like they were under 25 and it might be their first DEF CON. And uh, you know, I asked, Are you under 25 and is this your first DEF CON? And if the answer was yes to both, I just handed them a floppy disk. <laughs> so kind of one one by the way, just to add that real quick, right? That's yeah, crazy. exactly. Like I, I, went to like Defcon 101 and also to the, uh, the merch line. So like Defcon 101 was on Thursday and the merch line was on Friday. And so the thing is like, I also made sure there were only two floppy drives in Las Vegas at Fry's because <laughs> I was kind of a deck. Um, you know, I wanted to encourage people to like, you know, share and talk to people kind of like we used to do, because like everything's, you know, so competitive, there's not like a lot of collaboration anymore. Uh, and I even got my friend Timon on it. Like, so he's one of the two people behind uh, TourCon and uh, he was working uh, with uh Unix surplus at, you know at the vendor booth and they had a ton of floppy disks uh, floppy drives as well. So anybody who came by with a floppy disk and asked to use a drive, they made sure there was one. So there were ways to read these things. And you had to figure out how to like decompress an ARJ archive uh, in DOS um you know and read through and solve a puzzle and where that puzzle would lead you is a social engineering challenge you actually had to call me and social engineer me into giving you the number of the bbs and so you know if and you needed like you know basically some some information from the puzzle to be able to social engineer me successfully so like if you didn't do a good job at it like i'd say you know screw you fed and hang up on you (laughs) Um, so uh did you have people
7: doing the whole uh, I just lost my BW my BLT drive just went AWOL and
2: the good old from hackers, that's funny
6: yeah, surprisingly no, like people were really terrible social engineers <laughs> uh, you know, they're like and that's the thing with like hackers now, because you don't actually have to do stuff over the phone. Like we're all using Shodan and, you know, like to to probe stuff. And like, we've all got Metasploit, you know, if it's not on the internet, it might as well not exist as far as hackers are concerned. But there were a couple of teams that actually solved the puzzle and they figured it out. And like, you had to literally go to the Alexis park, which hosted Defcon for like years and they know what hackers are and they don't like us and you had to like figure out how to jack into a phone like which looks shady all <laughs> there being an obvious hacker during defcon and you know if you managed to do that and dial in to like the bbs which was in Rickson's room uh, and you know like Gooncon was over there by the way so a whole bunch of really pissed off goons would like go after you if you tried a physical attack um, then you could like get in, uh, and like the board was actually the bin. Like it was an archive of the board. It was all just as I left it when I took it down, uh, you know, including like a bunch of old messages that were on the same uh, echo mail network that I you know, DT and I shared. So you could, you know, read all that like all those old posts and like download some old wares. Uh, so it was really like just wonderful to resurrect it. And uh, you know, we had a couple of teams that actually won. And at the time, uh, it was called the Telefreak Challenge because uh, I was working with uh, with Telefreak then, uh, and the prize was uh, an invite to the Telefreak party, which is the hardest thing to get into at DEF CON pretty much. Um, and we had a few people solve it, so that got me inspired. It's like cool if you know we do an old school puzzle challenge, like using you know older technology, like you know, and essentially it was like a CTF, right? It was just, there was a social engineering component and a puzzle component, and I really love puzzles. So, uh, you know, I got together with uh, my friends Lacutus and Lion the next year, and we did the first tele challenge. Uh, and that one um, basically was, uh, you know, the first time that we did just like a completely phone based CTF. So, fast forwarding to last year, uh, we, sh- so one of the things about the tele challenge is, mm-hmm. it, you know, if you, you might remember that. You know, you got a floppy disk, no context at all. You had to figure out that it was a game, right? And that's what we always do with the challenge. Like it, it's, you know, we kind of do, um, it's a puzzle inside of a puzzle.
2: So it's not, something that's widely advertised is, hey, guys, check this out. We're going to be doing this thing. Here's Here's exactly how you can get on track to participate. It's low key and you have to figure it out.
6: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, some dude dressed in a sailor suit, like, blasts you with a boat horn out of a bullhorn and hands you a flyer for Red Sea Cruises to Mokadishu. Sounds
2: legit. That's kind of weird. I remember that, and I had no idea what that was about. <laughs> oh, wait, you, Pike, you uh, got one? No, I just saw the dude and just
4: kind of just went, went forward. Yeah, same. I was saying the same thing, is that. I didn't realize it was a like,
2: damn it like, i should have just done it i that so unanimously everybody even people at defcon when I'd, I'd see them in the escalators walking by they'd be like hey did you see that thing what the fuck was that like nobody really took the time to actually dig underneath the surface including us to to uh realize that it's it's a game it's an ar kind of game um so yeah it, it's I, I like that component of it. I just think it it probably cut into the participation a little bit uh, for last year, especially for how awesome it ended up being.
6: Yeah, it totally did because hackers aren't perceptive. They don't pay attention to anything that isn't completely obvious. Hackers don't hack anything that they can't hack with Metasploit and they don't find anything that can't be found through Shodan. And so, you know, what we proved by doing this and that, you know, I'll, I'll like bitterly rant a little more, but, you know, uh, I'll just kind of like walk you through the, the challenge and like how it worked. So we showed up on Thursday as Red Sea Cruises in character. We were wearing, like, we, we acted like a street team and I learned how to do this. Cause I, you know, one of the companies I founded is cuddly, a dating app for geeks. So we, uh, we basically like learned doing that, like how to promote something, you know, like out in the real world. And what you do is like make a lot of noise and hand people flyers and like put something, put your brand in their hand is is basically what we say. So you'd get a cruise flyer. It was professionally designed by Pinguino, by the way. Uh, and, you know, basically like if you looked at it, it was like just a little off because it totally looked like a cruise company. Like we showed up looking like a cruise company doing a promotion in Vegas. Um, But, you know, the flyer was like a little weird, like there's no website. You know, who doesn't have a website these days? There was just a phone number on it. And the cruises were things like the, you know, like morning in Yemen tour and like who wants to go enjoy a morning in Yemen? Um, You know, it's basically none of it, none of what was on there added up. And if you just peeled the onion a little bit, you would figure out that maybe there's more to this. Um, so, if you called that phone number, you'd get blasted with the boat horn, and we put you on hold. And it sounded like you were calling a cruise company, and you were on hold. But all of the like the the announcements, because we had these like interstitial announcements, right? Those were weird too. Uh, And then, you know, we were dropping clues, like we spelled the name of somebody in a voicemail, and eventually, like if you could figure out how to dial zero, you could get into our voicemail system. You want to know how many hackers figured that out? I'm afraid to ask. Less than 10% of hackers who dialed into the system were able to figure out even how to hack the first voicemail challenge, which had a really tough passcode. Do you want to guess what
2: that is? It had to be 10 digits long, right? Try one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yikes.
6: It's fairly awesome, actually. So like, you know, this is a piece of, you know, something I've actually thought of doing a paper on and, you know, presenting like as a serious piece of security research. You can put a system... That you want to keep secure behind a phone, and ninety percent of the smartest hackers in the world—and that's who shows up at DEFCON—won't be able to get through even a passcode of one two three four if you make them sit on hold for a minute.
2: That's, uh, yeah, and and yeah, so I um, is it a product of the explosive growth that DEFCON's seen, and the 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 noobs that are there, and there are a lot of them. There's there's tons and tons of them or is it a product of a dilution of talent in a way and i i hate to put it like that but it in a way there's there's not that sixth sense um in a lot of people to to go after things in a certain way is it a mindset thing what's your take on it uh it is totally a diminution of talent
6: and what that means is that, you know, it's, it's become very formulaic how people do hacking. Like we used to dial into systems. Like when I started freaking back in middle school, like, you know, I'd call phones and not know what was going to be on the other end. And you would just dial for the sake of trying to find something and see what, you know, was out there in the world that was like way cooler than, you know, you being 11 years old. And, you know, I, I started like, I actually started freaking when I was like old enough to learn how to call, uh, you know, other places and, and run up a giant long distance bill, which, you know, pissed my mom off. <laughs> but what are you going to do to a seven-year-old who like, you know, runs up a couple of hundred dollar bill, right? <laughs> uh, you know, basically, I don't think that there's, I think the way that people do hacking now is they don't look at systems other than what's on a computer and the internet. Uh, it's really rare to meet anybody who does that. And people don't jump on systems and just try to figure out how they work anymore. Um, you know, they're looking for a manual or a guide or like a metasploit to do things. And so uh, I hope I'm proven wrong, right? Like we may not have reached enough, enough people at DEF CON. There, there is talent there. Like they're pretty smart people. I just think that they're not really smart at this anymore because it's kind of a lost art. And that's the whole point of doing the tele-challenge is, you know, if we actually put a really fun puzzle there, it might get people interested in doing it again.
2: Yeah. And and your your comment of it being a lost art, I think, it is definitely extremely true. And uh, that's yeah. that's some of the reason that we put these two shows together um, is we wanted to focus on, on freaking because it's kind of near and dear to our hearts. And there's really, I, I see very, very little to zero interest in it. The reason I see a little bit of interest in it is because I follow people like you and Lucky and a few others that are, are prominently into, into this kind of thing. But uh, especially with the new crowd coming up, um, the the idea of even making voice calls is foreign. Yet, let yeah. alone trying to to break somebody's voicemail password. It's yeah, I remember a, really
4: telling me that that she was had to explain to one of her coworkers uh, yesterday how to dial letters on a number pad. they were like yeah. a, a teenager, but still, they they're like pretty young. And they, 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 the fact that they just that even if you open up the dial pad, you see that. So that means they just never do that. You know most people have a really strong version to, to answering phone calls or making phone calls. So,
2: can you um, imagine going through life seeing those letters on a number pad and just never knowing what they are but never questioning it either? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that
4: was me the first but, 15 years of my life.
2: But, but with
4: that though, you're saying Lost Art, we were talking about this when we had our initial conversation. Um, for you coming onto the show, T Profit, about just like the the level of patience i think is a really big thing you see that a lot with like you know people who just mass scan the internet all the time and you know the the brute force or is it just SS, you know try to do like ssh brute force with the common you know top 10 passwords and then move on and the fact that a lot of stuff is very automated and very black box like tools themselves even if they're open source are still treated almost like a black box thing because people just let's say oh just you know run the the you know oscp guide on how to do an nmap scan so without ever opening up like an nse script or something same thing goes with things like um like phone freaking where you know a long time ago people had to actually start doing like hand scanning and listen to very 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 small aberrations between different tones and saying oh that's a a reorder that's a you know whatever like just being able to understand what those tones actually mean and being able to use that to be able to very patiently and methodically understand very intricate systems that have zero guides on how to actually use them
6: and
3: so, well, so- if you'd come
6: to see 18 year old me in my apartment in Oregon uh, you would have heard a modem war dialing on one phone line and you would have seen me like sitting in a room like you know, hand scanning, uh, on another phone while I was kind of listening to what the, the ward island was, uh, you know, turning up and yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I was kind of just intrinsically motivated to see what was out there and, you know, in greater Portland, I, in fact, moved to Portland in part because it had such a giant local calling area. Like they had this EAS area. Um, and you mm-hmm. could call so many things there. It was just like, you know, and it, and it was all free. It was like amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to say like how much interest we'll be able to get. Like we just want to do a fun puzzle. And that's like, you know, so I can, I'm kind of razzing people a little bit there. I I hope that by like, you know, saying Defcon isn't good enough for our challenge that might motivate some people to like prove that they are good enough. But last year they weren't good enough. Nobody solved it. It wasn't impossible to solve. We're actually gonna post a walkthrough on on how to do it. Like, you know, if, if that's the best, that the world has when it comes to phones then really what we should be doing is putting our most secure systems behind a phone with a passcode <laughs> and we'll be totally fine like nothing will yeah. like
2: make sure it's a, a copper connection that you can only dial from a landline and it will never get touched by anybody
6: yeah, totally. Well, you know, one other thing that I think is kind of interesting is like, you know, why is a phone always a second factor for something on a computer? Like a computer could be a second factor for something on a phone. So I think that might be interesting research as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the the interest in it, I I think if people got exposed to it and and started getting some wins because you know it does take a while and and like you had uh alluded to it takes patience um but i think once you pop your first few voicemail boxes or your first pbx uh you really get hooked
6: there is nothing like the rush of popping your first box or you know, whether it's a voicemail box or, or whether it's a computer. And yeah, like so what we were able to see that some people actually did get it, right They you know, they dial in and you know, you can watch this from the statistics, you can see, ah, uh, you know, this number dials in a couple of times and it falls off. Um, this number dials in and dials in and dials in and they're trying new things and that's the right mindset, right? You dial into a system, you can tell that something's off. And then you just start trying to break into it, and we actually had a storyline. So if you bust a voicemail box in the Tele Challenge, uh, at least you know the last couple of years. I'm not going to promise what we do next year. Uh, there's a you know there's a storyline in that voicemail box, because the puzzle is all about piecing together clues and you know getting to the end, just like any uh, capture the flag in you know that that's happening at DEF CON, like there's, you know, there's a puzzle and you've got to figure it out. And like at the end, there's a flag, Um, you know, for us, uh, if you got into the very first voicemail box, that would lead you to another one. And that would lead you to another one. And that would eventually lead you into a story where Red Sea Cruises had partnered with a company called Teleblaster, the world's largest robo-dialing platform. And, you know, there was this big controversy at Red Sea because the platform was really effective, but it was also really ticking people off to getting, you know, to be getting robocalled so much. And eventually the phone number of Teleblaster got dropped. And if you called that phone number, can you guess what happened?
2: I know it happened, but I'm going to let people sit in suspense for another few seconds before you say it.
8: (laughs) Pretty awesome. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's great.
1: Presumably it would call out.
6: That's right. Uh, we started robocalling people. Uh, we made dozens of robocalls. They were all professionally produced because, uh, you know, one of my co-collaborators uh, has a lot of radio experience. So they sound just like real radio ads. Uh, and, you know, they were for companies that we made up like Colonoscopy Wizard and, you know, all sorts of like terrible stuff. Um, Colonoscopy Wizard was the worst. We made like three ads for that. And we started it off with the the Wizard of Oz theme. So <laughs> we, we just wanted to ruin that the Wizard of Oz for like everybody who ever played the game.
2: Oh, please. If you're able to find that before the end of the show, please just drop it uh, in the voiceless voice and we'll play it <laughs> to end the show.
6: Unfortunately, uh, my co-collaborator is not uh, available to provide the files. Like he, he was supposed to do it, and uh, he got busy. So uh, I'll I'll have to do it as a bonus episode later, maybe. But yeah, we had we had all these robocalls, and so the thing is, like, as you started working your way through Teleblaster, uh, we'd start robocalling you, and the. The farther that you got through Teleblaster, the more frequently we'd robocall you back. So, like, the game actually fought against you as you were playing it.
2: <laughs> did uh I, this is a quick sidebar, but did you guys? I'm assuming record people's reactions for when they were getting these robocalls, and were a decent portion of them actually thinking that they're real robocalls and and WTFing.
6: Uh no, there was no. I mean, if you're getting a robocall for colonoscopy wizard, like yeah, I mean maybe that's possible. But we had you know we had one for like a you know Dan, the local drug dealer, like who could you know deliver like six pounds of coke. We had another one for like
2: <laughs> again in Vegas, not so not so crazy. <laughs> Yeah, not so crazy, actually.
6: Yeah, we, we had one for the shady lawyer that could get you out of jail after you got arrested for the six pounds of Coke. money. Oh, uh, I love it. There was there was the six pounds of Coke theme. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, oh, yeah, we had Maudie's Bail and Liquor. That's pretty good. They could bust you out and then bring you a 40 like as, as you were being let out of jail.
2: These are all great free ideas, by the way, for businesses. If anybody's looking to do a startup and I'm sure VCs will throw money at you, but I digress. That sounds like awesome stuff. So it it keeps escalating as you, as you're getting these calls, you're getting more and more. And I'm assuming there's more and more hints being dropped during these calls, right? Yeah,
6: there are, I mean, there's hints being dropped. There's like, we had rat holes for you to run down. So there was this whole like blaster panel thing that we built. And that whole thing was like, just there to waste your time. <laughs> and, you know, one team spent like nearly all of their time, like messing with the blaster panel. And like it, it literally, like all it would do is like, you could make it robocall you more often. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it You know, it just wasn't uh, like, you know, it, 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 so we, you know, we might have to dial some of that back because like it was pretty hard, but it was it was definitely solvable if you started on time. So there was a live action element to this as well, right? Because it is DEF CON and there's a lot of stuff that happens live. We had a booth in the contest area. So we showed up on Friday as Red Sea Cruises and we just, we had Mogadishu Shuffleboard and like, you know, we were just basically messing with people um, and you could register teams because, you know, the intent was that it, it's a game that's designed to be played as a team. Uh, and then uh, Saturday, we showed up as uh, as Teleblaster. Uh, so I got to be, hey, I'm Sal from Teleblaster. We're hiring for cyber and black hat. We pay more than blockchain. So, you know, I did
2: that. Well, I you were dressed as an RSA participant. Then. <laughs> it's, that's the RSA pitch, right?
6: Uh, possibly. Um, yeah, no, we just showed up as teleblaster. Like we showed up as like a robo dialing platform. Like, uh, people were like, and we just acted like we were recruiting, Love Um, you know, at that, at that stage, like the only reason to come see us was to get game hints or, you know, tech support for the game. Like, you know, if you hadn't started by Friday, it would be too late to start. Um, but we got to mess with people all day. Like we were just like we just acted like this awful robocalling company. And you know, I, d- I did the whole Sal like uh, act. Yo, we're hiring for cyber. How big's your boat? I got a forty-two foot bayliner by the shore. I hung out with Snooky last weekend. What did you do?
2: Oh my god!
6: <laughs> Jesus Christ!
2: That's, that's a level of dedication. I'm not sure I've seen on any CTF to be honest. <laughs>
6: Well, you know, it was super fun. It was really elaborate. Uh, we really just wish more people had played, uh, but we plan to do an even bigger one next year. And if you start paying attention early, that might be an advantage.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm just going to reiterate for people that are, uh, they have their antennas up and they're listening and they're kind of interested uh, to recap. Going to DEFCON 101 may seem boring and lame, but it's actually probably a pretty good place to go next year if uh, if you want to maybe get some hints and also uh, some of the other various areas around DEFCON um, that you guys tend to hide and uh, and give secrets. Yeah, I mean, you know, if there's anything that I could say
6: to take away from this, it's Pay attention to stuff at DEF CON and I know that it's like an assault on all your senses and it's really hard to like pay attention to everything. But there's a lot of really fun puzzles. It's not just us. And, you know, if you have a short attention span and you don't look deeper, uh, then it's likely that you're going to miss a lot. One other thing that I'll say is that kids have a superpower for this. So, uh, you know, we do make it a family friendly game. Uh, There's, you know, it's PG 13 is what we rated at. So uh, if you, you know, have kids and bring them and they wanna play, uh, that's, you know, totally okay. Uh, We definitely will mess with them just like if they were actually freaking. But I started freaking when I was really, really young. And, you know, this is something that should be accessible
2: to, uh, you know, to people of all ages. Yeah, agreed. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear the, I'm glad to hear both that it's going to be written up uh, last year's will be written up. And then also to hear that uh, there's more evil awesomeness in store for us. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys, uh, what you guys end up coming up with Um, what in the meantime, what can people do in to, to start, Other than giving the advice, hey, just try and crack voicemail systems and stuff, that's generally kind of illegal to suggest people do. But other than suggesting things like that, what can people do? I mean, there's not really a lot of platforms out there for people to test on yet. Um, I did find a a few. Actually, my my boss had uh, on Binary Revolution. uh, They're binrev.com. There's a lot of freaking, a uh, lot of freaking advice stuff on there still, and there's uh, some emulators like Project MF, and there's a, uh, I think a uh, payphone emulator, so you can test red box tones. But other than stuff like that, do you have any any uh, secret kind of things that I'm missing out on that are something useful that just don't get a lot of traction publicly? Yeah, sure. I mean, I can drop a couple
6: of hints if that's what you're aiming for, because, you know, that's just based on past games, right? Um,
2: Well, hints for the game would be great, and I'm totally going to take you up on that offer. But I I mean, in general, for people like in the audience that are interested in freaking, aside from me just saying, hey, everybody, what you should try doing is hitting star pound when you hear a voicemail greeting and then crack the password or dial as many phone numbers as you can in your local prefix, aside from me saying those two things, which I didn't just say, what else can they actually do to start brushing up on their freaking skills? Yeah, sure. So,
6: you know, here's what I can suggest, like, uh, you know, I'll just take it at a really high level. If you're a hacker and you're just kind of interested in, like, how do I, you know, even start with freaking? One thing to realize if you are a hacker, is that your objective is to get data, information, uh, access, and there are is more than one way to do that. You can go through the front door, you can go through the back door, you can climb through the window, you can convince somebody to open the fricking like you know lobby for you at nine p.m. and let you walk right in, right? And there's just you know, so there's being what I would call you know at the top of the hacker craft means that. You need to be willing to actually embrace all of the elements uh, of being able to get to your objective, whether that's you know through systems or through telephone systems or through people or through just walking in with a clipboard, you know, dressed in uh, in overalls, which is pretty effective too. If you're you know, and it, th- this applies also if you're red teaming, but you know, if you're like totally black hat, it also applies because <laughs> these are things that happen.
2: Hard hats. Hard, hard hats are important.
6: <laughs> you know what I what I've always uh, found works really well for me is wearing glasses because uh, I wear glasses or contacts. If I'm wearing glasses, I have a shirt with the collar on it and a clipboard. Nobody ever stops me, no matter where I'm going.
2: It's brilliant. Yeah, I hear the clipboard thing from everybody that does physical pen. Uh, clipboard is your badge in. It's as good as a actual badge. Yeah, sometimes it's even better.
7: One thing that's uh, pretty popular as well, with, for example, um, uh, pits and pillars. I don't know if you guys have pits and pillars, but you know where the the, uh, the the copper lines converge in the street um, is always the the high vis vest, which is you know pretty cheap and you can get anywhere. Um, just don't wear it if you're in uh, if you're in Paris right now. It's probably a <laughs> rest,
2: yeah, that's probably not a good idea in Paris. But yeah, the, so if you want a good uh, visual, yeah, the the reflective shirts that they're wearing in Paris um, in a non-Paris situation will give you a look of authority. And that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the movie Sneakers,
6: like that's a really good example. I, I think that's probably the best hacker movie ever made because Hell, yeah. it shows an example of like, You know, how do you get to an objective using all the hacker things, not just one of them? Uh, And, you know, we're too focused these days on like, you know, banging down the front door with a battering ram. And, and, you know, it's an effective tool uh, sometimes, but there are sometimes more effective tools. So how do you, uh, you know, really get started with phones? Like the first thing to realize is just the sheer volume of stuff that you can do over a phone. you know, if and one way that I would suggest to prepare for it is just take the internet out of your life for a week and try to live your life only being able to do things over the phone. So, you know, actually that's how we used to live, like you know, before the internet. Like you had to call, people. Um, and if you do that, you're going to figure out. Wait a minute, like I can do telephone banking, and uh, wow, like I can actually call people and order things. And you know, it's there's just all this you know, all these services that are available to you and systems that you'll gain exposure to that, and I'm I'm totally not kidding, like just shut off the internet for a week and like try to buy plane tickets over the phone, like try to like, you know, refill a prescription over the phone, like just do all of the things over the phone and just learn how to do that. And once you've done that, you're going to get a way better appreciation for like the kinds of systems that you might be able to interact with and the things that you could do with them. So the next, uh, the next hint is a lot of these systems are older and they're not designed for cell phones. They were designed for landlines. And uh, landlines, when you punch in the numbers, it actually um, basically will send the tone across the line for as long as you hold down the button. And so that's a very big difference versus a cell phone where, the, you know, it's all voice over Internet Uh, And, you know, basically like the tone is a very short one as you send it through. So uh, that could be a really important thing to, you know, to have available is is a way to send long tones if you're breaking into a system. Uh, And I'll give you a great example. Like, uh, you know, uh, Brad Carter, right? Like Redbox Chili Pepper.
2: Sorry, getting to my unmute button. Hell yeah, definitely. He's got that TNI. I was going to actually just ask you about that. What did you? I, I think that's a probably really kick-ass resource to get started right
6: yeah totally so like brad has a collection of answering machines and one of the things you're going to find out when you start trying to hack them is that if you can't hold down a key for a few seconds you're not going to hack most of them because that was actually like the way to get into a lot of answering machines back in the day Um, so you know that's that's basically like one really important skill another is that you know phones don't work very well over the internet so, if you're trying to do, like, voice over IP stuff at DEF CON, it just doesn't work very well. Like, you need access to a real phone line. That's um, what ended
2: up making people actually have to go to the Riviera, if I recall. Because all the phone lines these days are VoIP in some form, uh, except for maybe, I think, the fax machines. But, in general, not, there wasn't, there so wasn't even little...
7: the, even. So I was going to say, even the fax machines, there was a whole bunch of problems with T-38 being compressed, having uh, and using lossless, uh, sorry, lossy uh, compression to like deliver faxes obviously wasn't working. So like the, all the core stuff is definitely not uh, copper yeah. anymore. There's, there's IP everywhere.
6: It might behoove you to get a room of the America's best value in. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> What
1: was it called again? <laughs> that sounds like. Yeah, you know, there's just
6: like, there's sketchy motels in, in Vegas. And like, if the, you know, the older the phone system and the more cockroaches, usually the better.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Unless they've really cheaped out and they just have one cell modem that just handles everything.
6: So, no, funny story, I'll, I'll, like uh, back in. That might have been a hit. <laughs>
7: so, I'll, funny story, I'll, back I'll, in the hacker days. Sorry, you tell tell story. I'm bad, my bad.
6: Oh, all right. Um, So back in the hacker days in Portland, like I ran with a the crew there and we did some really, really fucking bad stuff um, that I don't want to talk about even now. And like I was 18 then and I'm way older now. So, um, but we would rent a cheap motel room at like this sketchy motel in the worst part of town that would let people check in with no ID and pay cash. And we did that not to do the things most people do in those kinds of motels, but to use the phone to call stuff we really weren't supposed to be calling. Oh, that's
2: funny. Yeah, it's smart.
7: So in the, uh, in the larger hotels, the internal PBX systems, like, cause they, a lot of those hotels are quite old. So, uh, I would imagine that the PBXs get neglected considering the type of handsets that are, uh, in the rooms.
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, those PBXs, a lot of them were put in in the 90s and they've never been changed. So one really funny thing that happened with the first year we did the tele-challenge, um, well, that was like the year I did it, uh, and it was all mine. Um, ex- well, except for the part that Avi did. So I guess, uh, I did have a collaborator that, that year. Um, we like, so that year DEF CON was at the, what, Paris and Bally's, I think. And, uh, the phone system at the hotel had been, um, you know, they put in this modem filter because too many people were calling AOL and tying up the phone lines. So if you got the number to the BBS and you tried to call into it, like you actually couldn't get through because the modem filter would kill you. So that's why you had to physically go to the Alexis park. And, you know, we didn't even plan that. Like I did, you know, couldn't have anticipated it. Um, so i had to dial back the uh complexity of the you know of the challenge that year like it it was actually going to be that you had to upload a you know using Z modem and and so forth but um, we just made it so if you could get in and create an account at all because it was just so hard to get over there and, and actually manage to connect from you know locally from the ap like being a hacker like that's a really hard thing to get away with
2: yeah the other thing uh, so from personal experience i i definitely participated in that one and I, I was taking different approaches to try and get the uh, try and get to the cheese, but uh, I, I think some people are a little tied up and busy during the actual conference starting from Friday. And I know I, I waited until Sunday because I assumed I had Sunday until Monday, um, and I was obviously wrong, but. Um, is that is that something to anticipate for uh, people that are planning on participating this year or this upcoming year? Is it going to be something that really kicks off Friday and you got to dedicate a decent amount of time until Saturday only? Or can you give us an idea about timeframes and whether or not they'll be extended or...
6: Yeah, I can I can give you some general structure with the game. So one thing that we're doing a little differently this year is we're going to make it fun to play, even if you aren't going to be able to win. So you'll be able to start at pretty much any time and there will be things that you can do. But if you want to play to win, then this is just like any other CTF. You want to win any CTF, bring a team, work really hard. Uh, be as creative as possible and plan to spend your entire DEF CON on it and stay up for three days if you can. And like, if you can drink enough energy drinks, right? I, You know, but, so the first year that we, like two years ago when we did the tele-challenge, the team that won uh, got a black badge and we designed the challenge, you know, for that level. Like, you know, it's a black badge competition that I can't guarantee it'll be a black badge, you know, but we certainly make it, hard enough that you should get a black badge if you won. And we hope that DEF CON uh, will recognize that.
2: Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, just shifting gears for a second. there's uh, on the Twitch chat, we have uh, a chat going. And there's a question. Uh, so as a 20, I'm just reading verbatim. So if they make me say... The Fresh Prince, uh, excuse that. <laughs> but as a 2600 author, what topics would you recommend others write for consideration in 2600? Are there any topics uh, with particular dearth of authors or contributions that you guys are frequently looking for? So we're looking for anything and everything that
6: hackers think is awesome and interesting. And so basically what I'd encourage you to do is if you're interested in writing for 2600, we're interested in seeing what you're writing, send it to articles at 2600.com. Uh, that's articles at 2600.com. And, you know, you might see yourself published. And, you know, the, like my first article I sent in when I was in high school in 1990, and they published it. And it doesn't matter how young or old you are. Uh, if you think that it's interesting to the hacker community, then, and if you've learned something, if you think it's interesting, go ahead and set it in. The only thing that we ask is that if you're going to be published in 2600, don't put it up on the internet because you know we want to be the first place that publishes your content.
2: Right. And if you want to keep it zero day for like a month before you publish it, you can send it to Dan at Thug Crowd, and I'll have that, and that'll be great. I'm I'm totally... We gotta set
4: up disclosures at Thug Crowd as well. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> our alias, but yeah. <laughs> but no, this is awesome. I've like, as been listening to you talk about this challenge, I'm like excited to like try it out next year because this is like the kind of thing that now I'm older and like having had done a lot of things like this in the past and done stuff that I can never ever speak of (laughs) like it's cool to be able to apply those kinds of skills elsewhere because I don't really have an opportunity to I don't have an opportunity to like you know figure out which exact kind of PBX something is and listen to the error messages and understand in the similar way that you do with web penetration testing you know being able to have those sort of signatures that are in your head you know and that, that kind of knowledge a lot of people have they still have it but it's just been untapped because there's not really A use case for it. I don't. I don't have to, you know, uh, red box to call my friends or or do other weird, sketchy stuff to prove a point. So those kinds of things don't uh, don't happen anymore. So it's good to have something like that where people can actually do that without just going directly to jail.
6: You know, that's that's a really good point, right? Like there used to be a real cost to making phone calls. You know, it was a couple of dollars a minute to call London, and you know it was over a satellite and. You know, basically, we weren't instantly connected to pretty much everybody in every corner of the globe, like we are these days. Um, and, you know, now that there's like no real cost, there's no reason for freaking, right? And I put reason in quotes, because uh, if it doesn't actually save you any money, if you're not being able to, to do something that you couldn't do on the internet, why would anybody do it? And I think the answer is um, the quickest path to the flag is the one that gets you to the, to the frickin' flag the quickest way it is not necessarily a battering ram through the internet uh it might be the phone system right like you can wire money just as uh to russia through a phone system as you can over a computer system and usually it's a lot easier
1: yeah
7: definitely Can't wait. so um speaking of Something that we did uh, just to go back to something that we covered in um, our first episode of the freaking stuff didn't go so well. Um, that I wanted to to ask you about while you're here is uh, we 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 brought up mention of SS7 and SS7 attacks that are uh, uh, most recent, but uh, I believe your first article on SS7 was very early nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Right?
6: Probably, uh, yeah, that sounds around right. And you know, SS7 is exactly the same system with all the same vulnerabilities as it had then. Mm-hmm. The difference is, uh, you know, all the stuff's hooked up to the internet now, and it's it was never intended to be, and it's more or less completely unauthenticated. Uh, that's why you get tons of robocalls. And I've actually written a lot on my medium about the problem of robocalls and you know some potential solutions to it, and why nobody is ever going to pay to fix this problem. Uh, so you can check out my Medium at medium.com/slash at sign tprofit.
7: Uh, so um, I guess like you know it's sort of just like that remnant tacked on, like uh, things have been tacked on on. Uh, yeah, same things, same map.
2: same yeah. fun, same <laughs> fun.
7: That's
4: it. Absolutely. Hey, but it's a uh, it's getting late now. Um, We're a little over in our showtime, but I really want to thank you, TPOP, for coming on and and talking about stuff, because you have a lot of awesome stories and a lot of awesome insight into all this stuff, and I'm really hoping that more people who have listened are inspired by this and go look into some of the stuff that we're talking about, Um, because there's a lot of old resources. If you look at FRAC or 2600 or any old anything on text files, there's tons of stuff. Um, Just looking at that and just seeing what people used to do, as well as just you know being bored one day and just war dialing on a on a toll free number is a really fun way to spend an afternoon honestly <laughs> um, that kind of stuff is is definitely a lost art, but if you are somebody who can under understand how to leverage phone stuff, then it just makes you more skilled in in general
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, but I really thank you for coming on here though big been big fan of your of your calls since I was literally the first time I opened at twenty six hundred and I was like eleven so. Um, oh, yeah. but with all this, um, I want to thank you. You can come on anytime and anybody else is listening. If you have any sort of, um, questions you can, how can they reach you?
6: Um, um, no well, uh, super awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, just, uh, you know, one thing for people that are interested in practicing, I'm not committing to this, but there might be some content that we're posting on our Reddit. Uh, so you can go to telechallenge.org and that redirects to our subreddit. Uh, and that's going to be kind of the primary, you know, discussion forum uh, for the TeleChallenge this year. Um, how you can reach me? Uh, well, you know, the Reddit forum is a good place. Uh, that'll that'll reach everybody around the TeleChallenge. If you want to reach me for other reasons, the absolute best way is on Twitter. Uh, and my Twitter handle is TProfit. That's Tango Papa, Romeo Oscar, Papa Hotel, Echo Tango.
2: Awesome. <laughs> And hey, uh, one other thing. Did you have anything uh, that you wanted to plug? Any um, any, any other kind of tangential things?
6: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I really love to travel. I've been to all seven continents, and I write a travel blog at seat31b.com. That's S-E-A-T-31-B.com. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and check it out if you're interested in travel at all. I, I write a lot about how to you know, travel for free and some of the crazy stuff that I do.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. I'm not like super into travel myself, but I have read some of your stuff. And even I think at one point you had uh, some kind of crazy flight from San Francisco to to Russia or something like that for a hundred dollars is ridiculous. Actually,
6: $137 from uh, Vancouver to Australia. I'm I'm heading down to Christmas Island of all places (laughs) in September. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. Pretty amazing.
4: Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Thanks everybody for, for hanging out. Um, We'll be on next week for our last show of uh, 2018. And we will be discussing, we'll doing our Thug crowd holiday guide, where we are going to talk about all the weirdest uh, IoT and sketchy data services that are going to be gifts uh, this um, this holiday season. So tune in for that. And if you have any uh, weird stuff that you found, um, please tweet, that, tweet it at us, or you can join our Discord at Leet.Club. Uh, and thanks, everybody, um, for coming out. I think I had one more thing to say, but I forget what it was.
2: I know what it, was. An- it was. Buy us Christmas presents and send them. <laughs> oh,
4: <laughs> <went>. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You could also send us any weird IoT <laughs> or smart devices uh, you want. Uh, the more butt plugs, the better. And <laughs> oh, the last thing I remember I was going to say was speaking of DEFCON, CON, if you're, everybody, again, check out T Profit stuff um, next year, but we might have, we might be able to launch our own low orbit IHUN cannon into space um around Ooh that time so that keep an eye on the sky <laughs> um but yeah thanks everybody for coming out and we will see you next week you shut up again oh, yeah.
7: Yep.
2: yeah i Bye. bet flynn i bet mm-hmm. flynn would be like to go that, that route now
4: <laughs>
2: are we uh, clear
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh